0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is believe. Welcome to Sports Time Machine here on the Belief Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. I'm Annika Kakarakis, and each week, we head down memory lane as I take you back in time and remember some of the greatest moments in sports history. Leave your flux capacitor at home. All you need to do is subscribe to the show on iTunes or any of your other favorite directories like Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Being an NFL kicker is an emotional roller coaster. Sadly for many, the only time you remember their name is if they miss in the big moments. However, there are a few outliers that help win key situations for their team. Lawrence Tynes is a former NFL kicker with two Super Bowl rings, with a team that took down one of the greatest, if not the greatest quarterback of all time, not once, but twice. But in order to get to the big game, he had to help his team by nailing field goals in the biggest and most stressful moments of his NFL career. Again, not once, but twice. He'll join me in a bit to discuss playing in the Super Bowl, what it took to get there, and look back at favorite moments with his teammates. Lawrence signed with the Chiefs as an undrafted free agent in 2001. He was traded to the Giants in 2007 and had much success in that first season in New York. But one of the greatest moments in his career came in the NFC Championship against Brett Favre and the Packers. It was a tale of two halves. Lawrence nailed two field goals in the first half, but missed two in the second, including the final with four seconds left in regulation that would have given New York the victory. So into overtime we go. Green Bay wins the toss and gets the ball. Here's sound from the past.
1: Here's the snap, high snap placement made. Pick, line drive to the upright. No. no good! He hooked it left! He hooked it left! Overtime! Overtime in the NFC Championship! Far back to pass, takes a deep drop, steps up, looking to his right. And the pass intercepted by the Giants at the 40 yard line. Intercepted Word by the play. Giants, Corey Webster got the pick and he's tackled at the Packer 34. Alright, here goes Tynes again, from 47 yards, to kick the Giants to the Super Bowl. Snap is good, kick on its way, and over end. does it have the distance it is? Good! good. Yes. Lawrence Tynes has kicked the Giants to the Super Bowl! After missing at the end of regulation, and Tynes runs into the tunnel our outright, And the New York Giants are going to Super Bowl 42 in overtime. They beat the Packers 23 20.
0: Sound courtesy of the NFL. The game winning kick made the Giants NFC champs, qualifying them for Super Bowl 42 on February 3rd, 2008. The Patriots entered the game as 12-point favorites after being the first team to complete a perfect regular season since the 1972 Miami Dolphins and the only one since the league expanded to a 16-game regular season schedule since 1978. That Super Bowl is regarded as one of the greatest games and one of the biggest upsets in the history of professional sports but it is most remembered for the Giants' fourth quarter game-winning drive. Down 14-10, Giants had the ball on their own 17 with 2.39 left. Eli Manning and the G-men marched 83 yards down the field. The drive's most memorable play happened on third down in a moment that is referred to as the helmet catch. Pressure from Thomas off the edge, Eli Manning. Stays on his feet, airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Inside the 25, and a timeout taken. Oh
1: my God. This ball's thrown, and Tyree just goes up for it like a basketball player. Harrison trying to knock it down. And Eli, man, I don't know how he got out of there. I thought he was on the ground, and, and then he came out of the pile and just slings it.
0: That's a great catch by David Tyree. And now with 59 seconds left, the Giants needing a touchdown. The ball is
1: at the New England 24. Pressing it against his helmet as he
0: goes to the ground and not dropping it is David Tyree. Wide receiver Plaxico Burris scored the winning touchdown on a 13-yard reception with 35 seconds remaining. The Giants played, spoiler, a 17-14 victory, halting the Patriots in their pursuit of perfection, hitting Achilles right in the heel. And they knew where to hit him again four years later. February 5th, 2012, Super Bowl 46. But first, the Giants had to get past another powerhouse team in the NFC Championship on the road. This time, though, It was a red-hot San Francisco 49ers team led by Jim Harbaugh in his first season as the Niners' head coach. Just like the last championship meeting, the Giants went into overtime. Tynes didn't miss in that game. But just like in Green Bay, he nailed another walk-off field goal in overtime. This one from 31 yards out. To give the G-men the 2017 victory. And another trip to the big game. A rematch of the Super Bowl four years prior. Tines converted one extra point and two field goals, a 38-yarder and a 33-yarder, both in the third quarter. And got his second championship title. The Giants beat Brady and the Patriots once again. New England entered the game with a 13-3 regular season record. The Giants set a new record for the lowest regular season record for a Super Bowl champion, 9-7, a win percentage of just 56.3%. The underdogs did it again. But now, let's chat with someone who lived through it all. Let's head back in time with Lawrence Tynes. Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. All right, joining me now is former NFL kicker Lawrence Tynes. He won two Super Bowl championships with the New York Giants, and his leg is a big reason why the G Men got to punch their ticket to the big game twice. Lawrence, how are you? And thanks for joining me.
1: And I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. Um, we're getting down to the final two teams, so pretty exciting times. It's amazing that they were even able to get the season finished. I mean, it's pretty cool.
0: I know it was a crazy year and a crazy ending to some of these games. First off, I actually do want to ask you about the game with the Packers and the Bucks when they decided to go for the field goal at the end. What were you thinking?
1: I thought they were crazy um, because I think the worst case scenario is you don't get it. And then, you know, hopefully you get a stop right there and they have to punch you the ball and you get the ball somewhere around midfield to the, you know, 40 yard line on the other side. So, Um, I can kind of understand what they were thinking, the way the defense was playing. But, I mean, I don't want to give Tom Brady the ball back ever. Right. Um, You know, we saw what he did in our two Super Bowl games where, you know, they had an opportunity uh, at the end of the game. So any time left on the clock is too much time to give Tom Brady the ball back.
0: Felt like they were waving the white flag. You just don't give Tom Brady that much time. You gotta no, go for that and, score. And, I gotta punch it. And, and I
1: understand the the thinking, mm-hmm. but but at the same time, why not think okay if I don't get it on fourth down, then they're down here inside the tent. Yep. So it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. But of course, he's you know he's done a good job there for two years. He just can't get over the hump.
0: Right. And look, you you faced Brady in the Super Bowl twice. We're gonna get into that a little bit, but first, before we get into football, I wanna kind of get to know you a little bit you're first off the first scottish american nfl player i love talking about that and i heard recently there was a holiday that just passed called burns day that's celebrated around january 25th but one of the big traditions of the holiday is consuming haggis do you eat haggis what is it It, it, no okay
1: (laughs) no it's nasty it's like it depends though i obviously i've tried it um you know my mom never made it you just buy it like at the butcher or something but it's absolutely heinous like it's not it's kind of a it's a obviously a not a delicacy but it's like a traditional scottish dish it's just basically everything left over shoved into like a sausage wrap and it's like disgusting but some people like it um i'm not one of those scottish people that liked it
0: yeah, I, I couldn't do it. My husband said that he'd no. be down to try it. It sounds yeah. disgusting to him. He'd try it, but we have this Greek soup called uh, patsa, where it's like the innards yeah. of a goat, basically. Uh, yeah. But I don't, I've never had it. My grandmother makes it. My husband loves it, but yeah. It's, yeah.
1: it's so bizarre. Why are all these traditional meals like, goat's intestines and like haggis is like nasty leftovers Mm -hmm. i guess they couldn't think of anything better back in the day
0: yeah no waste is probably the big thing like don't waste anything (laughs) right just put it all together make some type of dish but scotland's definitely on my bucket list plus i'm a big fan of the show outlander i don't know if you ever watched it but i did not i love it you got to watch i recommend it
1: okay i'll check it
0: out do you go back there often do you have a favorite place that you like to visit
1: so i went back for nfl europe And then I went back, um, I played in Scotland for the Claymores in 2002. And then in 2008, I went back over after our first Super Bowl win. Me, Eli, Peyton, Archie, Cooper, and Shane Matthews. It was kind of cool. We played in like this three-day golf tournament against some rugby players. So that is actually the last time I've been back. Um, I do want to take my family over there, my wife and two kids. And show them where I grew up, because the town I grew up in is really small. It's called Campbelltown on the Mullican it was only 4,000 people. So uh, it's a beautiful country. Beautiful people. So fun. Obviously, they love their whiskey, their cigarettes. But they're just fun people. And the the landscape is, is beautiful. So at some point, when this world opens back up, um, we will plan a trip over there before the boys leave the house and go to college. Because I think they would love it.
0: That would be absolutely amazing. That's a trip they definitely wouldn't forget. You mentioned you went on the trip, you know, with Eli and Peyton and Archie. You obviously know Eli very well from your time with the Giants. What is it like between the two brothers when they get together?
1: It's just fun. You know, Archie was there, too. So the, the whole crew was there, his dad and then Cooper. Obviously, we see Cooper on Sundays on Fox. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's hilarious. They, they all have a really good sense of humor. Um, you know, they're fun guys. They just rib each other like brothers do. Um, Archie's very quiet. Um, You know, he just kind of sits there, probably watches his three boys act like fools. But, you know, they're all good dudes. And I think, you know, Eli's very, very funny. I don't think people picked up on that until recently with his Frank's Red Hot Sauce commercial. (laughs) But I think it's important for people to see Eli after football because he was kind of a robot, very subdued, never let anything out of the bag when he talked to the media. But internally, anyone that's spent time with them, the Giants beat Riders, they all knew how funny he was. So I think America is going to get to see that moving forward. Um, and I'm sure he'll do more this coming season. So they're just fun. I mean, they're a good family. They're, they're just a bunch of fun guys.
0: Did he hold it over Peyton's head for a while that he got two Super Bowls first?
1: Mm, I don't know. I'm sure he did. Of course <laughs> they did. I mean, they they bust each other's balls over anything. So, like, I'm totally sure that he obviously brought that up
0: I mean you've got two boys I have two boys as well so we understand the competitive nature with brothers and how that works right
1: yeah I mean it's intense sometimes I look at my wife and I go I don't ever recall being this mean to my brothers but um I could I'm probably wrong
0: And my sister and I used to beat each other up all the time. So I see it with my boys. I'm like, okay, that's familiar.
1: I think it's just because I have to discipline it now. So now that's probably why I think it's more than what I was.
0: That makes sense. That makes complete sense. But let's talk about your first year with the Giants back in 2007. That year, the team started 0-2 on the season. But you won nine Mm -hmm. games that season, went on to face an undefeated Patriots team in the Super Bowl, played spoiler in that game. But what was the chemistry like on that team?
1: You know, it, the, the easiest thing I can say is like when you are on Super Bowl teams, it feels like you're playing high school football again because everyone that played high school football remembers how neat it was to play with your boys that you grew up with and you care so much about. And, you know, that's hard to hard to get in the NFL with so many egos walking in the door and people making, you know, 10x more than the, the last guy in the roster. I think it's an it's very important to form a culture. And Coach Coughlin and Jerry Reese, our general manager, they did a really good job of that. And obviously, you got to credit all the players, the Michael Strahans and Eli's and all those leaders on that team that brought all those guys together because um, that's what wins in the NFL. That, you know, everyone is so competitively balanced and even. Coaching is a big thing, but I think camaraderie amongst the team is what really puts teams over the top. I don't think there's any coincidence that the chiefs are in the super bowl this year because obviously with COVID it's a returning team for the most part. I mean, they didn't really lose a single player from that roster. And so, you know, having cohesion and, and, you know, familiarity with your teammates is a big deal. So that's really what pro sports is. It's really hard to get that in NFL locker rooms because of the egos and because of the pay scale and because guys make this and that, but if you can get it, um, you know, the sky's the limit.
0: You know, it's funny. I think about it and thinking about teams that lose the Super Bowl and how they tend to make changes on the roster. But in essence, if they had kept a lot of the same players, you know, obviously there's there's different things when it comes to salaries and trying to adjust a team that way. But if you can, in essence, keep a team together, they tend to still do well. But you see a lot of that, you know, that Super Bowl hangover where they almost try to get rid of certain players who may be leaders on those teams.
1: Yeah. You know the team that always sticks out to me that's so damn consistent is the Steelers and you know they rarely make changes Mike Tomlin's one of the best coaches in the game and they just are consistently good and you know they don't have a lot of roster overhaul it doesn't seem like I mean you always think of the you know the offensive guys and their defensive team but they they they're so damn consistently good every year and I think it's amazing that Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. That's yeah. That's impressive. I think his worst record is eight and eight in what fifteen years? I mean, that's that's unbelievable.
0: Well, let's also talk about the season that was unbelievable for you guys. In order to get to that first Super Bowl at the NFC Championship, you had to play that game in Lambeau. You were going up against a legend in Brett Favre. Packers were a powerhouse offense that year. But let's set up the scene first before kickoff. What was the expectations for the Giants going into that game?
1: You know, we were kind of playing with house money as a, as a wild card team. We, we kind of went on this revenge tour because we ended up, you know, playing uh, Dallas, Green Bay, and New England. And all three of those teams had beaten us in the regular season. The first game in Tampa uh, kind of got us going. And then obviously we, we won, I think it was 11 straight games on the road is what it ended up being for the year. Um, so pretty amazing feat for, for teams to actually go on the road and win, but, you know, playing in green Bay, we were, we were confident, you know, once you get in the tournament and you start playing your best football towards the end of the year, we weren't afraid of Lambeau field or Brett Favre. I mean, there's obviously a lot of history with that place and obviously Brett Favre, but we were so confident in what we were doing and how we were playing that we obviously expected to win. Now we didn't expect it to be minus 23, 28 yeah. degrees, which was, that was the most difficult part of the day was the the weather because, you know, we just couldn't do anything that we normally did. I mean, in pregame, Jeff Fegels and I usually kick 15, 20 balls, 10 on each side. I mean, after four or five on the first side, we had to stop because he couldn't catch the ball anymore. So really what you do is just assume the worst, right? Okay. Well, this is what it's going to be like. And then you just figure it out. But, you can't ever prepare for those conditions. I mean, it was the what second or third coldest game in NFL history. So that was the biggest challenge.
0: You know, what I've heard is that the football gets hard as a rock when it's that, especially that cold when it's freezing. How do you adjust and how much more difficult is it to kick in those conditions?
1: It's really difficult. I mean, I think cold is like the the most difficult thing to play in when you're kicking, because obviously you're trying to move an object with, with horsepower. But the the cold weather doesn't allow the ball to compress or jump off your foot like it would above freezing um so it's very very difficult and then of course you got to factor in the other phase of it the snap mm-hmm. is more difficult the hold is more difficult and then obviously kicking it becomes more difficult um so but as pro athletes you just have to adjust i mean that's the name of the game in pro football rain shine snow it doesn't matter i mean they expect you and they pay you to to play in those kinds of conditions so you just got to roll with it.
0: Now, in that game, you hit your first two field goals, but then in the fourth, you missed two—one from forty-three yep. yards out, the other from thirty-six. What did Coach Coughlin and your teammates tell you after those misses?
1: Um, you know, there's some pretty cool videos of Coach Coughlin, you know, yelling at me, which is awesome because I—I really don't ever hear what he said when he was yelling. <laughs> um, so it—I don't know, like I—I I, kind of blank out in games; like I just kind of get into my own little world. For, three and a half hours. Plus I wore earplugs. So I I don't really hear what coaches are saying unless I'm right next to them. I can talk to anyone, my teammates, whoever, but it just helped me focus up that, that much more. I learned that from Jeff Fiegels. He wore earplugs this whole year. So I started wearing them when I got to New York because I thought it was a pretty neat idea. But you know, i I missed, I think in my career, I've missed two field goals like three times. So the conditions for me, I never really let misses bother me. It's kind of one of my things I can hang my hat on. I was never that guy that would, you know, ever get into a slump where I missed a ton in a row. So um, it is what it is. I, I obviously felt horrible at the time because, you know, the one at the end of the of regulation was not a long kick, but in those conditions, everything was difficult. And so the snap was high. I had to start leaning to buy time and then I just yanked the hell out of it. It was horrible. So you're just thinking that hopefully you get a chance in overtime. I mean, that's really, all you can do as a kicker is hope and say, okay, well, then I, you know, the coin toss, I'm like, oh no, we have to kick off to Brett Favre, damn it. (laughs) So I was just thinking that and then, but our our defense was playing so well, you know, towards the end of the year and obviously into the playoffs. So I had confidence that we would potentially get the ball back. And of course, you know, Corey Webster makes an unbelievable play. And three plays later, we were kicking a field goal
0: did you ever thank Corey for getting that pick, you know, just kind of giving oh, yeah. you that chance? What did you what did you oh, say to hell him? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I'm realistic, right. I'm not, I, I'm pretty realistic. I had had a really good season that year statistically, and then you get into those conditions, but I'll tell you this much. I don't know that the giants could have kept me had I missed, you know, had the game ended that way. Yeah. Right. I mean, I just think, you know, I'd like to think they maybe would have just based off the evening and what I did that season. But you know, you think about stuff like that as a player, but yeah, hell yeah. Me and Corey are super tight. Like that whole team, I'm tight with everyone on that team. So Corey and I, it was funny. Every time Corey got a pick, it seemed like that year. And then even through the rest of his career, it always ended up me kicking a field goal. And so, you know, it's funny because he would always come over to me after a pick. He'd always find me and be like, you know what to do LT. So it, it was just kind of that little thing inside the team where, you know, me and Corey had that relationship, but um, he's one of the good guys for sure. He's a good player.
0: Well, that kick, that third time was a charm in overtime. You nailed a field goal from 47 yards out. What emotions were going through your head right before the kick? And once you finally got it through the uprights?
1: Well, you know, the, as the legend grows, it's funny because coach Coughlin was not planning on kicking that field goal. So I was on the sideline. I was like, okay, I got to you know figure this thing out and make up for two misses. The the one I missed middle of the fourth quarter, I hit it really well. I just didn't start it far enough right. So right. not all misses are bad. Like I, I knew I could get it there. And conditions like that, you're just trying to figure out how far can I kick one from because your your distance is so diminished due to the temperature. So right when the ball went incomplete, boom, I ran on the field. And I get out there and like, literally, no one's there. Like, some of the linemen were, were hanging around, but Coach Coughlin was not necessarily – and you know, uh, on the videos at Giants.com, you see him. A lot of the coaches were saying, don't kick it. Like the OC, the DC, hey, let's punt it here. Let's figure this thing out. Maybe get another stop. Well, you know, I think I kind of made his – I felt good about it. Like I, I really hit, you know, the one before the second mess really well. So I was like, if I just start this thing a little bit further to the right, and let it curl in a little bit with the wind, it, it's going to go in. So, you know, we got a really good snap, a really good hold on the last operation and we made the kick. So I I feel like, you know, I took that decision out of coach Coughlin's hands and, you know, he said, look, I saw Lawrence out there. So I told him to kick it. So
0: it was a great redemption moment and I'm sure it fueled a lot of confidence in your team. So how much confidence did winning that NFC Championship game in Lambeau. Give your team before facing an undefeated Patriots.
1: A lot. I mean, we had obviously went into Lambeau and did some things that people, you know, have never done, and so that gave us a ton of confidence. And then, you know, we played New England in Week 17 of that season, mm-hmm. and it was one of the most historic regular season games in NFL history, where it was carried by like three different cable networks. I mean, because the Patriots were going for sixteen and zero, so. We had a chance there late. I mean, we lost by three in that game, but obviously we knew we could hang with them. You know, we had the we had the guys on defense to get after Tom Brady in that offensive line. So we were, again, confident, again, playing with house money. I mean, wildcard team making it to the Super Bowl against the undefeated Patriots team. So um, we felt like we could beat them. I mean, I know we we had lost, but five weeks prior to the Super Bowl, They only beat us by three. So on a neutral site, you know, and we were playing better than we were in week 17, we felt pretty confident.
0: And it's a really great claim to fame and, you know, just an accomplishment. You could hang on your belt saying, yeah, we beat the Patriots, an undefeated team. And that's how we got our Super Bowl. I mean, that's a pretty big claim for a team.
1: It is. Yeah, we we I have fun with it on Twitter, too, because 18 and one just looks gross. (laughs) It's like (laughs) I mean, could you imagine, like, and Tom Brady, I think, recently came out this week, has referenced, you know, that's the one That's the one Super Bowl he thinks about all the time, and the one loss. I mean, I'm sure he has others, too, but that's probably at the top of his list. Um, I just couldn't imagine, you know, as, as I look back on that, like, as a player, I couldn't imagine the pressure, not only being in a Super Bowl, but being 18-0 and 0 would be difficult. And being expected to win and being a 10-point favorite, I mean, those are that's hard as a player. Because sometimes you just want to go play and not worry about stuff. But I'm sure in the back of their minds, all those thoughts were being considered. Hey, we can be the first 19-0 team. Hey, we're 10-point favorites. We only beat this team by three five weeks ago. So I couldn't imagine the pressure that was on New England that night.
0: I mean, four years later, you guys did it again. But first, you had the first kick. You yourself had to kick another overtime goal against, this time, the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship. That game honestly still haunts me because I grew up a Niner fan. And uh, the name Kyle Williams still haunts me to this day. <laughs> Poor guys. Still feel yeah. bad for him, but it still bothers me too. But a much happier ending, a much happier ending for you. It was a similar situation, though. Was there a different mentality for you going for that game-winning kick in comparison to the one in Lambeau?
1: A little bit. I mean, if you remember that night, it was like sideways rain and muddy mm-hmm. and cold and damp. And so, you know, you start playing in playoff football, the weather's never going to be ideal unless you're in the Dome. So, yeah, I only played in like 13 Dome games in my entire 13-year career. So, like, I did not play in a lot of domes. So, I was always used to the elements. Kansas City I played obviously New York and spent some time in the CFL so I was used to elements like I I've, I wasn't you know I was never afraid of bad weather but I definitely was 100% more confident um, having you know saying to myself hey I've been here I've done this let's go out here obviously it was a little bit shorter but you know everything has to be perfect I know I know kickers uh, make everything look so easy on Sundays, but there's a lot of work and effort that goes into making those kicks. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was a confident feeling again. You know, it was, we had lost to the night. It was kind of like the redemption tour. You know, the Niners had beaten us like in November of that year. And we knew when we left there and said, you know, we, we're going to end up playing this team again. And, you know, we did not have the greatest end of the season that year. I mean, we lost like, I think we were three and five or something down the stretch. We started out six and two, and then we lost like three or four games in a row that year. So we were not playing great. And of course, we won our last two, and then we got in again and finally hosted a game. But then we played obviously the next three on the road. So um, that was a good Niners team. Goodness gracious. That was actually one of my favorite games, you know, back and forth. Uh, so that was, you know, that was a tough team. It was, that, was a, that was a big win, obviously, winning in, in Candlestick.
0: Yeah. That was a uh, Jim Harbaugh's first year with the Niners. They were red hot that year and you guys just kind of pumped the brakes for them that season. And, but that win qualified you guys to go to the Super bowl again, once again, against Tom Brady, four years later, the confidence level of that game going into that game after beating him four years earlier, do you think you got into Brady's head?
1: You know, it's hard to say. I, I would say every every player, I don't care how good you are, has something that makes them uncomfortable, um, even the great ones. And probably to some extent, the, that Giants' D-line obviously was minus Strahan, but Tuck was still there. Osi was still there. with ISQ Wanuka was still there. Dave Tolleson was still there. So the core of those guys that went up against him, you know, four years prior was still there. But I'll tell you this, you, you know, we this is what always, you know, players find things to motivate them and teams do we beat the Patriots that year in New England week 10 or something like that. And, and I just felt like we were being disrespected to some regard because like, you can't turn a blind eye to us going to New England, middle of the season beating them where they had won like 20 something games in a row. And again, here we are. I don't know what we were seven, 10 points uh, underdogs. Again, it just didn't make any sense, but we just used that as fuel. And sure. We felt confident we could beat them. We just, you know, a lot of that – not a lot of guys in that locker room were on the team, you know, prior to that. I think there was only 14 guys on that particular team that actually won their second ring that night. So it wasn't like it was the same team. Now the core of it was good with Eli and the the D-line, but there was 40 or 50 other players on that team that were not on the previous Super Bowl team.
0: Well, it felt like also that team under Coughlin, with all of you guys together at least, you know, that's still that core. It just felt like no matter – how big of underdogs you guys were. It just felt like once you were in the playoffs, you never knew what was going to happen with this Giants team. That's what I always remembered with your Giants team specifically.
1: Yeah. Nobody wanted to play us in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter. Um, you know, we have great, we had great coaches. Like Steve Spagnolo is, is obviously going for his third Super Bowl back to back as the coordinator of the chiefs. Dave Merritt is the safeties coach, Sam Madison, who played with us on that, that Giants team in 07, he's the cornerbacks coach for the Chiefs. It's funny because like the whole defensive staff almost is former Giants from the Super Bowl team. So, you know, Coach Coughlin does a great job. Our staff did a great job. And we just had players that bought in. And um, when you do that, you have a chance.
0: Well, now in this Super Bowl, you've got Tom Brady in his 10th Super Bowl going for his seventh win. Yeah, completely unreal. That's the perfect word for it. So what's your advice, say, for the Chiefs? Now going up against Brady at this point in his career, playing as a Buccaneer.
1: Well, you know they have a they they have um, Steve Spagnolo. so I you know Steve has put together plans that beat Tom Brady and a little bit different animal, but still it's Tom Brady. And I don't know that the Chiefs have the the guys on the D line, but they do have some good pass rushers, and and uh, so they've got a good D line. They'll be fine. I, the Chiefs' offense is what's scary. I don't care who you are you know both tackles are going to be out I think there, there's some issues that's going to present with JPP and Shaq Barrett on the other side but you know I'm pulling for the Bucks. I know that sounds crazy but JPP is one of my favorite teammates in the world mm-hmm. and um, I just hope that he gets another ring and you know that defense is tough uh, we'll see if defenses mean it, defenses mean anything anymore because that that interior D line and Shaq Barrett and JPP should be able to take advantage of those both those tackles being out for the Chiefs. But Patrick Mahomes is is not even from this planet. So yeah. I, I don't even know.
0: I know. It's almost like I don't want I can't say Tom is the past because he's still present. But you yeah. definitely see also that you're almost having two different worlds collide with Brady and Mahomes going up against each other. It is. You know, you, you never want to face either of them, it feels like.
1: No. No, and, and Tom Brady, obviously we know he's coming back next year. You know, I think Antonio Brown's coming back and you know, they're playing good football. Yeah. You know, they're they're playing really good football. And that that defense is scary. I mean, with Devin White and and Levante David and Sue and I mean, they're just stacked on defense. And of course, um, Tyreek Hill hit him for like two hundred and seventy yards in week seven or eight, but I don't think either team has lost a game since they played last. So It's the two best teams left, you know, if you really want to boil it down to it. Um, I think it'll be a good game. I mean, Tom Brady is always going to give you a chance. And, you know, so we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. And you have, you know, Bruce Arians has done a really good job with the Buccaneers team. How big is, you know, obviously coaching is a huge, huge part of getting a team to the Super Bowl. But, you know, with Coughlin, how, how important was he, obviously, to the Giants and getting into the Super Bowl?
1: I, you know, I think coaching is one of the most underrated aspects of NFL football, because if you really look at pro football, top to bottom, every team has big, strong, fast players. Like that's the NFL. No one's that much better than the next guy. If you really put them side by side on each team, it's really, what is your scheme? What is your plan? What is your coaching staff? What is your culture? So I I think coaching is the most important thing in the NFL, and it's, it's why, Coaches are paid so handsomely. If they're good, they're good, and um, they're they're very they're are very big in teams winning. I mean, they're the ones that develop the culture. They're the ones that put together the staffs, the uh, offensively, defensively, and special teams. So, um, you know, you've got two greats. Andy Reid is awesome. Mm-hmm. Has won a lot, and then Bruce Arians is kind of the cool Kangle hat coach that everybody <laughs> loves, and he calls it like it is. And I think that's what you appreciate about Bruce is. You know, um, I could imagine how much fun Tom Brady's having this year playing for Bruce versus Bill. And, you know, not to say Bill's a bad guy. I'm just saying it seems like Bruce lets you have a little bit more fun. And, uh, you know, so that's cool. I, it's cool to see Tom. He's more active on social media this year and um, showing his personality. So it's funny. I find myself rooting for him, which is very odd.
0: It is odd. I know exactly um, what you is. mean.
1: <laughs> but, um <laughs> You know, we all have to sit back if we like football and take this in and say, this is amazing. Like it, you know, to watch what he's done and win as consistently as he does. I mean, he'll obviously go down as probably the best to ever do it in any sport.
0: I mean, there's definitely a respect, a different respect for the game when you talk about Tom Brady and what he means to the sport of football. And just looking at the whole, you know, just looking at what he means to the game itself.
1: Yeah, he's uh, he's obviously a very, very special competitor. Um, you know, he can still throw it around, too, though. That's what's, you know, you see a little bit of a knock, a drop sometimes. I thought I saw it earlier in the year where people were questioning his arm strength, but I think he led the league in completions down the field over 20 yards, which at 43 um, says a lot about how he takes care of himself. So it's fun to watch him. I enjoy watching him play because I, you know, I feel like, you know, he's only got a couple of years left, but his competitiveness is, you know, it's unmatched. I don't think it, there's a more competitive person in the game, which hard to say that because there are a lot of competitive guys in the NFL.
0: Now I'm going to throw it out there. If your Giants team had somehow faced Brady a third time, do you think you could have somehow given him the yips and derailed his career at yeah. all?
1: We would to derail derailed his career. He's just too headstrong. You can see that. I mean, he left New England. And went to another brand new franchise during COVID and took them to the Super Bowl. Man. So, um, who knows what would have happened in the third matchup? You know, I, 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 it's funny. The best team I was ever on, we didn't even win the Super Bowl in 2008. We should have repeated. You know, unfortunately, he shot his leg, and uh, but that was the best team by far I've ever been on in my life. I mean, we were, I don't know what we finished the year, 12 and four, maybe 13 and three, 14. And, I don't even remember, but. We were beating teams by NFL standards. We were blowing them out. And so, obviously, after that Plaxico incident happened, um, we lost our number one receiver. We went into the playoffs as the number one seed, and we lost. So, But that was the best team I was ever on, and we didn't win.
0: Well, Lawrence, a lot of great information, and a lot of fun. So I'm going to tell you right now, time has completely flown by talking to you. And I know you have a show that if anybody wants to keep hearing more incredible stories from you, tell us about the Blue, uh, Blue Rush podcast.
1: Yeah. So the Blue Rush podcast is hosted by me and Paul Schwartz, who is a longtime beat writer for the Giants. And then Jake Brown and Sarah McCrory are our two producers. We only host during the season. We will do some one-off shows here as information comes out on the Giants. But it's uh, the Blue Rush podcast. You can get it on Apple or Spotify. Um, It's fun. We drop twice a week during the season. It's all Giants, obviously NFC East. So I had a lot of fun doing that this year. We got a great team. So it keeps me close to the game, which I love. So I have to watch intently and follow and listen and make sure. But, uh, you know, we'll talk some free agency. We'll talk some draft. And then – we'll have some pop-up shows here during the off season, but we're not, you know, we're twice a week during the season and I really enjoyed doing that. So I appreciate you asking about
0: it. Of course. So make sure to listen to the blue rush podcast. You could also follow Lawrence at lt four kicks on Twitter. That's at lt four kicks. So thank you so much, Lawrence. This was a fun, fun interview. Fun talk.
1: Yeah. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me.
0: No problem. And enjoy the super bowl. Yeah, you too. A big thank you once again to Lawrence, such a great conversation. But I will be completely honest, that NFC Championship in San Francisco still pains me as a Niner fan. I was re-watching the game for this show, and as soon as my husband saw what I was watching, he full-on turned to me and said, you suck. Yeah, I know it hurts. But hey, it's the nature of the game, any given Sunday. But now let's see what happens with the next Super Bowl. A big thank you to Lawrence Times for joining me today. And that will do it for the show. And thank you for listening to Sports Time Machine. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate Sports Time Machine on iTunes. We're also available on your other favorite directories like Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find the show at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Anna Kagaragi. That's K-A-G-A-R-A-K-I-S and on Instagram at AnnaKaggs. And you can get involved in the conversation by using the hashtag SportsTimeMachine. If you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. Well, time flies when you're having fun. Thanks for heading down memory lane with me. I'm Anna Kagaraikis, and we'll talk soon.